Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. You're joining us during a foundational series in the life of our church that we're calling This Is Hope. During this series, we're asking two questions. Who are we? And because of who we are, what do we do? If you're joining us here for the very first time, I wanna be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us and fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. This is hope, is an identity declaration of who we are and what we do. So, who are we and what do we do? At Hope Church, we magnify Christ above everything. This is hope. All right, all right. Hope Church family, how we doing this morning? Amen. Well, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. If you have a Bible, open it to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be there in just a minute. I want to begin our conversation today by talking about different ways that people view the church. Different ways that people view the church. I want to, for the purpose of this illustration, borrow from a pastor friend of ours in North Carolina named J.D. Greer. He kind of introduced this idea, and I think it's a great way to jump into our conversation in this series today. There's, there's a few different ways people view the church. You probably will resonate with some of these, and we'll have some fun with it and throw some pictures on the screen. The first one, people see the church like a cruise ship. How many people have ever been on a cruise here this morning? Yes. I love cruises. I've been on a couple. Pastor Teddy, you guys don't know this about Pastor Teddy. This is a cruise machine over here. Him and his family love cruises. Cruises are amazing. What is the, 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 the point of a cruise? <laughs> to sit back and do nothing. <laughs> you sit and you soak. <laughs> Literally. Hey, I want to pick a cruise line based on my personal preferences. I'm going to say, what is best? what are the best amenities and services? If I have kids, do they have what I need for my kids? If, I, if I'm older in life and I just want to sit and soak and not have to worry about any kids, they have cruise lines where there's no kids, so you can just be without any kids. Like, there is a cruise line to fit your needs. And some people, don't raise your hand, <laughs> see the church like a cruise ship. I'm going to sit and soak, and I'm going to find the church that has all the things to suit my needs, and I want a pastor who preaches the exact length of sermons I think he should preach with relevant topics that really interest me, but make sure you tell some funny stories and stuff because I want to be entertained along the way. And guess what? Just like cruise lines, if that doesn't fit your needs. There's a whole bunch of churches that you can pop around to to try to fit your needs, just like we search for the cruise line to fit our needs. Some people view the church 
like a cruise line. There's another way to view the church. It's a little closer, but I don't think it's all the way there. And it's this, a battleship. We are the fighters. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to go into battle and push against the darkness. The, the role of a battle, battleship is for the soldiers to engage in war, in battle for the sake of the mission. People who view the church like this, they have the right heart and mind, but they view this institution, the church, the leaders, the pastors, the people as a part of it, as the, the primary advancers of the kingdom. We have to go and fight this battle from this place right here, and that is close but not quite what I think Jesus had in mind when he talked about his church. You see, there's one more image I want to put on the screen, and that is that of an aircraft carrier. In a similar way to a battleship, they are engaged in a fight. Make no mistake, Hope Church, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. But an aircraft carrier equips planes to carry out the battle elsewhere. When you look at the aircraft carrier, nobody on the aircraft carrier is saying, entertain me. How comfortable is this ship? The whole point of an aircraft carrier is to take the people away from the ship to engage in the battle. And that is exactly the picture of the church. That we would be a place here at Hope Church that would be training up an army of Jesus followers to go out to Las Vegas, the West, and the world engaging in the very real battle that we are waging. Jesus said of his church in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't know if you've ever thought about the, the irony of this verse, but gates are a defense mechanism to keep people out. The gates of hell exist to keep the church out as we make war against the, the, the kingdom of darkness. That is what we exist to do, and that is what Jesus has equipped his church to do, is to be people who are storming the gates of hell with the light of the gospel. And we want to be a place that's raising up an army of Jesus followers that are doing it in every single domain in our society and asking the Lord to do some damage for the kingdom of God using our lives. And this is why I'm extremely excited and have been eagerly anticipating for months this sermon series we are starting today. This is hope. Who we are and what we do. I praise God in this new season of Hope Church. He has brought so many new people to our church. God has been so gracious. There are people here today that were not here a year ago or six months ago or three months ago. I praise God for the new people at this church. And so this series is going to be a stake in the ground to say this is who we are and this is what we do. But I'm also looking around the room and I see many people like myself, who have been here for years and years and years. And I have been praying this would not be something we say, oh, yeah, I know that already. But this would be a, a shot in the arm to say this is a great reminder of the call on our lives as a local body of believers. This is who we are and this is what we do. That is who we talk about when we say we. <laughs> Make no mistake, I am looking at the we. 
The we is not the pastors or the ministry leaders or the people with the volunteer shirts on. I want you to hear if you are a follower of Jesus, if Hope Church is your home, if you would say, this is my church, then the we is you. And so what we're going to talk about over the next, next six weeks is what you do and who you are. This is our church as we lock arms together for the sake of the mission. I can't wait to unpack for you for six weeks. Here is what we are going to be about for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. So I want to ask you to make it a priority to be here to be at our church for the next six weeks. I know we got stuff going on, but if you can be here to, to just lean in to what it is that we're going to talk about, because we've shared this before, but we have zero interest in building an audience of people that are like a cruise ship watching the activity of God and sitting and soaking I've said it before and I'll say it probably many, many more years over the year, many more times over the years. I, as the pastor of this church, have zero interest in filling this room like a cruise ship with people that have no desire but to be entertained. But I can get extremely excited extremely excited about people saying, I understand my role in the kingdom of God, and this is a place where we raise up literally an army of Jesus followers to go make some noise for the kingdom of God in every single domain of our society. Amen. So today, we start our first week of this series, and I can't wait to unpack for you the first stake in the ground, and here it is. We magnify Christ above everything. We magnify Christ above everything. That is for the next few minutes what we are just going to dive deep into. I had you turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. It's always important to remember the context of where we're at in Scripture. So the book of Colossians was written to a city called Colossae. It's a, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this letter to a church who has been undertaken by attacks from the enemy that we can relate to in 2022. Let me explain. The, the Colossian church was being attacked with a heresy known as Gnosticism. If you're new to Bible study, the Gnostics were taking the truth of God and slightly perverting it, which led it all the way down to a place where it became very, very dangerous. You say, what was the heresy that they were, they were talking about to the Colossians? They were first explaining who Jesus was, and it started with truth, but then they slightly changed what Jesus said about himself, and it became an extremely dangerous heresy. So Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he's saying, I want to remind you of who Jesus is and who you are in Christ. We can learn from that. But there was also another part of Gnosticism that, that I think we can really relate to today. You see, the, the, the Gnostics were explaining to people that, that Jesus is a starting point. But you see, there's a, there's a, a special level, a, a different place spiritually that you can go past Jesus. They were saying that there's, there's an exclusive club where you can really dive deep and get to a different level, a spiritual ascension, and Jesus is just the starting place. And that's very important for us to discuss today because I don't know if you've caught it, but I've found in our world today in 2022, being spiritual 
is actually kind of in right now. I don't know if you've caught it with Oprah's Super Soul Sundays or meditation and all the different apps we can use now. Like being spiritual is actually sort of in vogue right now. I went on Amazon this week and, and I found a whole bunch of, of books and, 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 and content under the religion and spirituality. Now, make no mistake, there's some great Christian authors that are in that category as well. But all the top books are about finding your inner peace. There's a, there's a spiritual conversation happening here, and nobody will look at you with any sort of cross look if you just tell them that you are spiritual. But you start talking about following Jesus, and the whole conversation changes. Uh, my favorite this week that I found, I saw a book, and here's the book title, The Universe Has Your Back. I don't know if that makes you feel a certain way today, but the universe has your back. And this is a conversation I'm hearing all the time, and you are too. We are taking this intangible universe and acting like it has a conscious will and desire for you. You could say something like, I just feel like the universe has given me a great week this week, and nobody looks at you crazy. But you start saying that the sovereign King Jesus has given you a great week this week, and they look at you like you are a fool. This is the world we're living in. And listen... This is the air the Colossians were breathing. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes a letter to this church and to Hope Church to say, this is who Jesus is, and this is who you are in Christ. So Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read four verses. And by the way, I believe these four verses are like the Mount Everest of Awesome Jesus scriptures. If you ever wanted something to go, who is Jesus? Underline these in your Bible, put it on a sticky note, make it your screensaver, whatever you gotta do to remember, this is who Jesus is. Colossians 1, verse 15. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We're going to dive deep into this passage of scripture today. Verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. It's very important for us as we seek to magnify Christ above everything as a church that we understand very clearly who it is that we are magnifying. So I want to be clear. Here is my single goal today. In everything, and you've probably seen it hopefully through music and, and through the prayer time, this is our goal today. It is to exalt and magnify the one name that is above every name that all of us would walk out of this room today saying, All hail King Jesus from every aspect of our service today. I'm wanting us to lift up the crown jewel of heaven to say that God is worthy of our worship and we should all be ready to wave the banner to say we're going to magnify him above everything. So I, to, to get into that, I want to tell you a story about when my wife and I traveled a couple years ago to Europe. A few years ago, we were celebrating our 10th anniversary and we decided to, to be tourists and go to a few different big European cities. And, and one of those that we went to is uh, Rome. If you've ever been to Rome, I mean, it's unbelievable. Everywhere you turn, you're just walking through the halls of history. It's, it's unbelievable. 
And as we were getting ready, like you do when you travel, you, you look up websites on what are the must-hits, what are the things you have to make sure you see. And, and one of the things that, that was on all the lists was something that I wasn't necessarily super excited about, but it was on the list, so we had to go, and that is the Sistine Chapel. Now, I know, don't judge me, pastor doesn't want to go to the Sistine Chapel, I get it, okay. But it was like, uh, I get it, but you have the Colosseum, and you have, and you have the prison that, that Paul was in. You have all these really, in my mind, really significant things, and the Sistine Chapel was kind of up there, but not all that. But we decided it's on the list. We got to go to the Sistine Chapel. And so we make our way through this museum kind of thing. It's this long walk through all this different art and stuff to where it ends, it culminates when you actually are at the doors of the Sistine Chapel. Now, if you don't know anything about the Sistine Chapel, it's, it's an, a magnificent thing where there's paintings from Michelangelo all over the, 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 the picture of, of God reaching down and touching Adam that you've seen in like coffee shops and all over Etsy and stuff like that's in the Sistine Chapel, but like the original one that he painted. And so we're, we're walking up to the doors and, and, and I'm just kind of whatever about it. Okay, I want to finally, we've been doing this tour for like an hour, get me into the, the room. And we stop at the door, and they they actually stop us, and they say, okay, you're about to enter the Sistine Chapel. And the whole mood kind of (laughs) changed. And they're like, we ask you to put your cell phone away because there's absolutely no photography allowed. thinking, whoa. (laughs) And actually, as you walk in, we actually ask you, we have security guards all over the place to make sure you're not taking pictures. And as you walk in, we ask you, it's a sacred place, we ask you to keep the talking to a minimum. We're not going to talk when we go into the Sistine Chapel. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I don't know what I'm getting into. So we get the instructions to set this up, and then the doors open, and we finally walk into the Sistine Chapel. And i got to be honest with you, I was not necessarily excited about going to the Sistine Chapel, but as soon as you walk in, it's like, whoa, hand-painted, fresca paintings that took four years of, of painstaking work to create this masterpiece and honestly dozens of years to create this chapel. And you walk in and the only, you don't want to talk because the only thing you want to do in the presence of such glory is shut up and stare at what you are looking at. It's this principle that I believe with my whole heart that in, in, the, in, the, in, in, in the presence of beauty and glory and bigness, you don't want to take your phone out and be taking a bunch of pictures and talking about all these things. You just want to go, whoa. And I'm not a take your breath away kind of guy, but I walked in there with my wife and I'm like, whoa. In the presence of such glory and beauty and majesty and work, handiwork, you just sit, sit back and say, wow. But at the end of the day, I am kind of a rebel, and so I had to take my phone out for just one moment and snap a picture of the Sistine Chapel. I I don't know who that guy is. That was taken from my hip, okay? But, like, there it is. Like, that's the thing, the picture. You guys are all judging your pastor. Like, how dare you? You're there one time, man. You're there one time. So I took this picture, and it, has, it doesn't do it justice at all, but it's me standing in the presence of glory and saying, whoa, this really is a sacred place, and I really am in awe. I want us to think of that as we jump into our text today. Because I believe, I've said this before, and I believe we will continue to wave this banner, and it's this, that a ridiculously high view of God 
will result in, it's coming, there it is, will result in ridiculously humble people. And that is who we want to be as a church family. As we lift Jesus high above everything, it's not going to make us boast. It is going to make us realize, wow, I just want to shut up and stare. Because that is what you do in the presence of glory. And we're going to see out of this passage of scripture, we right now, even in this moment, are in the presence of glory. So three things that I want to share out of Colossians chapter 1. Three truths from this passage as we seek to magnify Christ above everything. Here's the first one. Jesus Christ is God. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. Look at verse 15. He is The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is huge. I understand where I'm at. I'm in a church that a lot of people have heard that for maybe decades upon decades. And when we hear the fact that Jesus Christ is God, it might not make us explode in praise. But the goal of today is that you and I would look at the reality that Jesus Christ is God. He's not a teacher about God. He's not just a way to God. He's not even a man who became God. Jesus Christ is and always has been 100% God. And that is really good news for us as humans. Jesus Christ is God. Then he goes on to say, all Hebrews chapter 1, by the way, says it very clearly. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus Christ is shown to be God. As we seek to magnify Christ above everything, we have to understand we are magnifying Christ who is God above everything. But then Paul uses a very interesting phrase. He said he's the firstborn of all creation. That one's tricky. He's God, but he's the firstborn. Born. What does it mean to be the firstborn? That's a question that has been argued and honestly the, the source of many doctrinal errors and heresies for many, many, many years. In fact, the, the fourth century preacher Arius started to say, I don't think Jesus is God because he's the firstborn. He may be the most important of the creatures that were created, but he was in fact created. And this has trickled down through the walls of history to this moment where we live in a city where there are a couple religions that would claim the name of Christianity, but because they don't believe that Jesus is God, they make themselves wholly separate from us as Jesus followers because we, closed-handed, dying on this hill, are saying Jesus Christ is not a created being. Jesus Christ is God himself. So what does it mean then? We have to be able to understand, and we always want to remind you, That the New Testament of the Bible was written originally in the Greek language. And in the Greek, that term firstborn can mean that you were were born first. You were the, the firstborn of your family. But it also has an alternate meaning that is the meaning in this text. And that is to be first in rank or importance. To be the first above all creation, meaning he is to be the preeminent one, the, the, the one that we magnify above Christ, above, above everything. And you say, okay, I, I need some examples from the Bible. Well, let's go all the way back to the book of Exodus chapter 4. Israel is referred to as the firstborn people of God. Now, we know from history, the Israelites were not the first ever created humans, but they are called the firstborn of God because they are God's chosen people, and so they are the first in rank or importance. 
Later on in this, in this verse that we're studying today, he calls Jesus the firstborn of the dead. And we know from Jesus' life, he was not the first person resurrected from the dead. He called out Lazarus from the tomb. He called a little 12-year-old girl that passed away. He resurrected them from death. But he's called the firstborn of the dead, not because he was the first one to ever do it, because he's the most important one to ever do it. He is the first in rank or importance. So we have to understand, Paul here is saying Jesus Christ is God and he is the most important person in the universe. He is the firstborn of all creation. Over all things that have been created, Jesus himself wasn't created, but he's over everything that has been created. He is first. And it matters because there's a lot of people that would put Jesus in a category of a good teacher, Somebody worthy of, of listening to some of his morals. I mentioned there's some, some faiths in our city, very prevalent faiths that would, that would lift Jesus up to a certain level of, of, of excellence, but they would not say that Jesus Christ himself is God. And if Jesus isn't God, it nullifies everything else he ever said because he claimed himself to be God. So Paul here is saying Jesus Christ is God and he's the most important person in all the universe. But here's the second thing we see out of this passage. Jesus Christ is the creator of everything. Jesus Christ is the creator of everything. Look at verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him. Again, I know. For some of us, that is like Sunday school 101. I know Jesus is the creator, but I just have prayed and, and want to just let us sit in this moment for just a second. Everything that exists, exists because Jesus said it should be. Everything that has been created has been created by God. I want to give us a Sistine Chapel kind of moment here at Hope Church. I want to usher you in to the Sistine Chapel of this passage for us to hopefully gaze up in glory and say, wow, look at what my God has done. All things were created. That word were created, it, it means to produce out of nothing. The, the Latin doctrinal phrase you may have heard is ex nihilo. It literally means out of nothing Jesus created everything. This is important because he didn't do a remodel. He didn't take a, a big bang that happened with some cosmic dust and explosions and go, ah, let's throw some humans and some people and let's kind of recreate what happened here. No, out of absolutely nothing, Jesus created everything. This is the truth of who our God is. And so I want to I open up the doors of the Sistine Chapel of the universe and hopefully let you stand in awe of who God is for just a moment. I don't know if any of you are astronomy nerds here today, if anybody loves NASA. Um, by the way, if you're not an astronomy nerd, I, I encourage you, we hear news reports and things all the time that, that come out about technologies and, and discoveries that NASA has made. I want to encourage you, if you're a Jesus follower, don't write those off. Those are the people of the, of the world discovering. They're not, they're not creating. They're discovering what our God has made forever ago, and they're just now seeing it with all of our technology. So when you see the news flash, 
about NASA create, uh, seeing something or a new telescope or a new discovery. You should just, just praise God in that moment because you are seeing what your God has made from the beginning of time. And that should encourage us as Jesus followers. We want more technology. Let's continue to see what's going on because all it does is give me praise in my heart because my God did that. And your God did that. So I want to I do that for us today. I want to introduce to you what they call the Carina Nebula. You got to look on NASA's website. This picture doesn't do it justice. You can, you can blow it up. I mean, it's, it's a massive image, multiple, multiple gigabytes. And, and this is a, an image that just got released this summer. A new James Webb telescope was, was introduced, and, and it's kind of like, like the telescopes we've had before, but much, much more powerful. And they took a picture of this Carina Nebula. This is something that's not right around the corner, by the way. This thing is 46,600 trillion miles away. I don't even think I just said that number right because I don't understand that number. These things right here, these peaks and valleys, they call these the cosmic cliffs. Each one of these cliffs is seven light years tall. I don't even know what a light year is in distance, but it's really, really tall. This is our God. This is one tiny slice of the universe that our God said exist out of nothing be and so I want us to see things like this in the way that the Sistine Chapel didn't just exist one day because somebody tripped over some paint cans and threw paint all over the walls this didn't just happen one day when some gases got together and exploded our God Jesus Christ created this with the word of his power and that should make us stand in awe and say, wow, that God, that God. But his creative power is not just big stuff. Uh, that's kind of how I'm wired. My wife is in this service. Like when I see big things, I'm going, God, God did that. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. I, I was walking this morning and the sun was coming up and I was like, yes, I'm walking down the street. And people are thinking I'm crazy because I'm jumping up and down with the AirPods in my ears, listening to worship music saying, you did that, God, with the word of your power. But it's not just the big things. It's the, it's the minute details, too. He's the God of all creation. So I want to give you a quick science lesson real quick on what's happening in your body every single second, whether you're, whether you're sleeping or you're awake, every second of your life. A few things are happening that you probably should know about. Five million of your cells are going to die every second. That's encouraging, but don't panic. They're being replaced. They're being replaced at the exact same rate. Your heart is beating about once every second, pumping 70 milliliters of blood into your aorta and getting it to everywhere it needs to go to keep you alive. Every single neuron in your body is constantly firing or sending a message roughly 10 to 50 times every single second, meaning there's about 20 billion messages being sent inside your body every single second. And this is happening 86,400 times every single day. This is your God at work in your body right now, constantly at work in the big and in the minute details. This is detail. This is a designer. This is somebody at work, and his name is Jesus Christ. It says all things were created, and we just talked about some things that we can see or feel. But it's not just those things. The end of the verse talks about 
Heavens and earth and visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, the spiritual world that is very real that we can't see. The Bible just told us God created that. Jesus created that. This is what our God has created. But it's not just the things he's created that we should praise him for. He also answers for us two of the most existential questions that have ever existed. Look at the end of the verse in verse 16. All things were created through him and for him. I'm looking at a bunch of people right now that have probably asked a couple questions of their lives. I know I have. People all over the world. Two of the biggest existential questions on the planet are these two questions. Does my life matter? And why am I here? You've probably asked that question maybe before you knew Jesus. I know before I knew Jesus, I was wrestling as a 17-year-old kid. What is this all for? You see all the things that are going on in the world. What is it for? And Jesus just answered the question, what it's for. And I want you to sit in it for just a moment. You may be here today and wonder, why am I here? What does this matter? And the God of heaven just broke into your life today to tell you you were created for a purpose, on purpose. Everything that exists, including you, was created for God's glory. And I don't know if you are thinking, okay, I need a little bit more than that. It's a really big deal that God is for his glory. Because if he wasn't for his glory, he would have never sent his son Jesus to rescue you and I. So because Jesus is for, God is for his glory, he sent his son into the world. This is the gospel message to save sinners like you and I. We were lost and broken and we were all struggling with this idea of who am I and why do I exist? And Jesus answered the question. He came into this world. He, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. This is the gospel truth. He absorbed all of your sin and my sin. And three days later, he rose again, all so that you could truly understand why you exist. The creator of the Carina Nebula, the designer of the billions of things going on in your life, he made you, Hope Church, for his glory. Romans chapter 11 says it best, for from him and through him, and to him are all things. I want you to think about the things in your life right now. That is in the category of all things. So everything about your life, if you're wondering what you're here for, it all comes from him and through him and to him. Because everything that exists, exists for his glory. And let me ask you this question. What? can trump that think about it what is grander and bigger than the fact that you were created for the glory of the God of the universe you may have had a really rough week this week this may be a really tough season for you but no no bad week no suffering no boy or girl or amount of money or or, or job or whatever it might be that ails you today nothing can trump the reality that you were created by God on purpose for 
a purpose. And I just need us to sit in that and maybe go to bed tonight with a little bit more gratitude to say, God, today didn't go as well as I wanted it to, but I was created by the God of heaven for your glory. And I'm breathing right now. And there's a billion things in my life that need to happen for me to do this. And I just want to say thank you. I just want to magnify you for just a moment. The Gnostics would tell the Colossian church, there's a different level of spirituality. What could be a higher level than what we just talked about? You have access because of the blood of Jesus to that God. Listen, Hope Church, the universe doesn't have your back today. But Jesus Christ, who created everything, does. And he wants a relationship with you. That's good news for us. That's good news for us. So as we stand in awe of the Sistine Chapel of our lives, would we remember he is God and he is the creator of everything. But there's a third thing Paul says. Jesus Christ is the sustainer of everything in creation. This is different. Look at verse 17. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I stood there in the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo was not there making sure it still operated the way it was supposed to. He did it, and then he went on to live a little bit longer, and then he died. Jesus didn't just create this masterpiece called the universe and then step away. No, right now, in this moment, as I already explained in your body, there are billions and trillions and whatever's after trillion things happening right now, and Jesus Christ is holding it all together. And we don't really think about that much, but we should, because if he didn't, everything about our lives would explode in a moment. Did you know that if our moon that we just look at when it's full and we say, oh, cool, full moon, if that moon was even just a little bit closer, just a tad bit closer to this earth, every single day, twice a day, the oceans would completely overrun every piece of land on the planet. We looked at the, the horrific stuff went down in Florida with Hurricane Ian. Imagine that happening across the entire globe twice a day, just if the moon was a little bit closer than it is right now. Who's stopping it from doing that? Jesus Christ, right now in, the, in this moment, is holding it all together. Your body. There's a billion things happening to make you even understand me right now. And if he left his hand off of you for one second, everything about your body would disintegrate. And I know that's not very encouraging, but I'm trying to get you to understand the only reason it's not doing that, regardless of if you love Jesus or not, is because Jesus Christ, the sustainer of the universe, is holding your body together right now in this moment. And that should make us stand back and say, whoa, whoa. This is why my time is done, but this is why, Hope Church, this is why as the first week of this series, we look at who God is, and this is why I'm raising the banner for our church to say we magnify this Christ above everything. This is what we want to do because this is the only thing we should do in response to that big of a God. Look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. This is what we're saying. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, he might be preeminent. When we say we magnify Christ above everything, that's just not a catchy phrase we came up with. Paul, the apostle, said you should magnify Christ above everything. He might be preeminent. 
This word right here in the original Greek text, it's the only time in all the Bible that word is used. It's almost like Paul was saying, this is very, very important. What does it mean to be preeminent? The word preeminent simply means first place. So in all things, church, Paul's saying to the Colossians and to us, in everything, Jesus Christ should be first. And I want us to sit as we close to think about your life. We want to do a bunch of stuff at this church to make him first in our church. But think about your individual life, your family. Is he first place in everything? Is Jesus first place in your, in your marriage? Is Jesus first place in, in your parenting? Does he have first place in your finances, in your conversations at home, in your conversations at work? Does he have first place in, in the way you, you handle relationships? Is he first place in, in what you watch and what you listen to? Is he first place in how you choose to use your body and your resources? Is he first place not in some things, but in everything, because that's his rightful place as the ruler and sustainer and creator of the universe. Is he first place? We have to evaluate. Is he first place in our suffering? Is he first place in our joy? Is he first place in every area of our lives? Maybe that's a response for you today as you go home to evaluate, God, where are you not first place in my life? I'm clearly seeing you should be you deserve to be. Help me get in line with what you already deserve to be. The Bible tells us what happens when we do that. Look what happens when we magnify Christ above everything. Jesus says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. You want to show me somebody who has Jesus Christ first place in everything in their lives? People are going to be attracted to that. They're going to wonder, what's going on with you? I see the way you handle your finances and your family and your work situation. I see your life. And some of you have this testimony where people are saying, something is different about you, man. And they start asking questions. This is what Jesus meant. When we magnify Christ above everything, he draws people to himself. And as we close, I want to show you a family story of a family that he did just that for us. We magnify Christ above everything at this church. He does what he did in the Peters' lives. So watch this story. So we met 19 years ago. We come from two different religious backgrounds. Her being coming from an Orthodox religion and me from a Mormon religion. Uh, we've attended each other's services. It was very difficult for us family to connect together. Fast forward to six months, uh, my son attended a student summer camp. And this is when he came to my wife and said, you know, I, I think I found Jesus. I want to get baptized. He was sure about it. He asked me to be baptized again. And I told him, you were baptized as a baby. I don't know what the answer to this is. I was going through some health issues. And I woke up one day, and I just told Joe that my healing is going to come from God, not from the doctors. I think that was the moment when I found Jesus through my prayers for healing and uh, I finally understood all Jesus' love for me and I understood my son. I am uh, going to be, this Sunday I'm going to be 46 and I finally found Jesus. So I just knew that I need to attend the Discovery Hope class and Joe said he wants to do it with me as well and I was surprised. We just knew that we 
all three want to be baptized. After Discovery Hope, we attended the baptism class with Pastor Matt. I, I thought it was a different time. And, and so, you know, I got my family ready. We got here and it was done. The baptism class was done. I, I think it was just a miracle for us to. It was meant to be. It was meant to be like. To be late so we have our own time with yeah, <laughs> Pastor Matt. It was a private session just directly with Pastor Matt. We were able to speak with him about why we want to be baptized and how we found Jesus. Hope Church helped me a lot and us a lot to just connecting our love with God. This past six months has been just different for our family. But just to be able to do it as a family, come to the same services and you know be able to attend as a family and not have to worry about where we grew up, our previous background of religion. It's been an amazing journey. We are reaching out more, I think, we, to people to pray for, with us and for us. We are learning every day, and we are grateful for our church family to support us in this new journey. Amen. In talking to the Peters family, they said something that I wrote down as a part of this. They said, for 19 years we searched religion for God. But it wasn't until we came to Hope Church where we saw Jesus and met Jesus. This is what happens when you magnify Christ above everything. He draws people to himself. So I want us to, to magnify him. We're going to do close a little differently today. We're going to sing a couple songs, not just one. We're going to sing a couple songs as a response to just praise God. To hopefully, again, just stand in awe and, and, and beauty of, of who he is. We are just drawn to, to praise and to worship. And we have the opportunity to do that today. But I want to be very clear. Every person on the planet will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Regardless of right now, if you want to, I want to show you Philippians chapter 2. This is true of Jesus. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Amen. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Hear that. Those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess. Here's how good our God is, Hope Church. Right now, you and I have the opportunity with joy to understand who he is, to come to him and enjoy, confess and bow. But the heartbreaking reality is so many people will dismiss that their whole lives. They'll look to the universe, they'll look to karma, they'll look to things that don't exist and what we get to do in joy, they will one day do in judgment. And that's heartbreaking. So my invitation right now is if you would be somebody that would say, I don't, I don't believe in this Jesus thing, understand, the grace of God in your life, even in this moment, to be hearing this invitation that that glorious, good, sovereign God right now is inviting you to confess and to say you are exactly who you say you are and to bow down and to worship. We're going to have pastors up here in just a moment. If you want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus, we would love to talk to you. 
But if you're a Jesus follower in this place, I want to encourage you with everything in me. For these next couple songs, let's just magnify Christ in this place. Lift him up and say, you are who you say you are, and you deserve all of my worship and praise. I understand some of you guys are like, I'm just going to be the kind of tap my side person or maybe the little, little cloud. What if we actually saw God for who he is, and in this place, we worshiped God, full hearts, passionate Only you can respond to God in the way he's leading you to. So let's stand. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And thank you, God, that you are who you say you are. We love you. We magnify you and worship you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.